Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep Season 4. We are three guys in a van playing with knives and discussing our favorite opinions about movies, TV, and pop culture. This is, of course, uh, the end. This is the final episode of the Rocky Horror Podcast Month. We've done two The Rock things, and this is our second horror uh, option. Um... Also, I it is morning. I usually try to say the thing in the intro. I try to say the time of day we're recording, just in case anyone's going to go back and map these out. They'll be like, "Man, they sure are funnier in the afternoon than in the evening, and funnier in the morning." Than the mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm curious. I felt like last week bang up episode. I thought we really nailed that one. That was a morning mm-hmm. episode. So now I'm wondering, is 11 a.m. our funniest time? Who knows? We'll find I- out. I've spent the last, like, three days trying to figure out how the fuck did we get on Alien Invasions last week? Dude, it's, I, I mean, it's one of the conversations we've had was, like, how? what aliens actually think about Earth. But how and did we get there? From South the, the argument was, how is the world going to end? Because uh, there's yeah. a movie about the end of the that world. Aliens invade, yeah, sense. yeah. That makes yeah. sense. And so we got off into Aliens. I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. Um, let me introduce you to your panel. I'm Alex Falcone, recording today from a mildly autumnal North Korea town, Los Angeles. Uh, I'm wearing my little flannel today because it is just a it's just a very chilly 65 and sunny uh, in L.A. Uh, joined today by, uh, first off, he's at Anthony Lopez, part two on Twitter. He's in Southeast Portland. And he, this is very important, he takes no pleasure in podcasting. There's just some things... He's got to do, but it doesn't mean he has to like it. It's Anthony <laughs> Lopez. Yeah, uh, great to be here. Never have meat suits been more appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, people. that's true, and I hate it. Oh, I'm so but, sorry. Uh, um, without getting, I'm not going to really do a bit today for the opening thing. I just have a serious question. Have either of you ever or would pick up a hitchhiker? No. and no. I have, yeah. You have? That does not yeah, surprise have, me. I have picked up a hitchhiker, yeah, yeah. Just totally. one? Um, maybe, maybe less than three. And and how were they? Always great. Always fantastic. Yeah. Like never, so, always a pleasant, interesting conversation. And then that's it. Goodbye. My theory is on this, that as it has gotten less popular and less socially acceptable, the people who are hitchhiking, like we've probably weeded out the more normal people. Because it's uh-huh. not socially acceptable, so you're getting further. Oh, like it's it's like a vicious cycle where each as it gets less popular to pick up hitchhikers, mm. the less popular people will be hitchhikers, and on and on. Well, I mean, huh. did you guys ever see anything or like read John Waters' book about hitchhiking? No. So John Waters, legendary Baltimore filmmaker. Yeah, so um, we talked about. With hell hairspray, hairspray, a while hairspray ago. Yeah. but um, like fifteen years ago, hitchhiked across the country, which is awesome. I can't imagine like a little bit late, being like, in my opinion, but yeah, driving and being like, "Holy shit, is that John Waters hitchhiking?" And then picking him up, that would be so oh, okay, awesome. That, yeah, yeah, that's right. That would be amazing. But like, I would pick up John Waters. I don't oh, know sure. if I would pick up this guy uh, from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, what's great about it in this movie, which we'll come back to in a second after we do some other stuff, but what's great about it is they like judge the book by the cover when they pick him up and then after they drop him off, they realize sometimes the cover artist they were for right. a book does a very good job yeah. of telling you what's inside the book. Yep. 
Shouldn't he was that exactly guy what they thought he was going to be. There was uh-huh. literally a bunch of blood on the cover of that book. Exactly. And you're like, this this book's going to cut me. And then it does. Um, also joining us, let me just get him in here for yeah, his, yeah. his introduction. Uh, he's at Hunbun on Letterboxd. He is now in the woods of Southeast Portland. And look what he did to the door. It's Hunter Donaldson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I had to do it again. Bit. I had I to do it again. You. As the chainsaw. Yeah, um, yeah you should have. That's how you should have introduced One of the best characters in this movie, the chainsaw. I um, wanted to say uh, something funny about hitchhiking across America. Uh, I have a friend uh, who in high school talked about how he was going to hitchhike uh, to the coast from Arkansas. Classic. So not yeah. all the way across America, but basically halfway. Wait, which, it depends good, on which coast. Good portion, yeah. Uh, Virginia. So okay. so to, to the East Coast. Um, and uh, so that, that was his plan. He had like some friend in Virginia Beach that he was going to meet up with. Uh, and he was like, all right, well, the su- the, it was the summer after he graduated from senior year. And uh, he was like, OK, I'm going on this big hitchhiking trip. And he was like, he was like, this is going to be a big deal. It's going to change my life. And mm-hmm. and he like set aside all this time to do it. Like 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 it was like the whole summer he had to do this. Mm. Um, and he got to Virginia in in three days. Um, <laughs> is how long it took him because he found a trucker that basically took him halfway and then just had to figure out uh, the rest. Um, yeah. So it was very easy to get across the country hitchhiking is what he found. <laughs> that's about as long as it would take you to just drive if you had a car. As yeah, well. that's yeah. funny. Say that. <laughs> so it was it was not life changing. He just talked to two truck drivers nope. and it was over. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's all that is. And then he was just like, he flew back so fast it was just like wait you're already back and it was just like yep that's it i think probably the thing that's hurt hurt uh the people picking up hitchhikers the most is sirius xm radio yeah probably i feel like truck drivers are not as mm. desperate for conversation anymore exactly they've got howard stern every every hour uh, that's all he, they want you know that's all they yeah, want you know what like, I, mean? uh, I was hoping it would be stern when i picked you up what conversation he, could i have with a uh, person that would be better than stern <laughs> <laughs> you're no robin yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but have you guys ever been in a um in a truck, like a trucker's truck? No, like a nice no. um well, of course you oh, yeah. you're nodding Cinema. again, Hunter. I don't, basically, yeah. Anthony, this is like we're playing Never Have I Ever, and Hunter is always going to win and I am always going to lose. <laughs> Do you mean, want me to just put down all my fingers? Yeah. I've never done anything. I, I'm still in the original I, packaging. Uh they're really nice. I was very surprised. The yeah, first they have time, to be. The first time I was ever in a like um like a semi truck uh, was my my older brother and I were drinking at a bowling alley when I was like sixteen, and he like met these truckers and they were like, "You want to come party with us?" And I was like, "Sure, this probably won't get me murdered." Uh, <laughs> so we like got in these two much older men's uh, semi truck and just drove around Wilsonville, Oregon, drinking. And cruising for chicks with two teenagers and, a semi. and two three old men in a, a semi truck. It was. Um, really I'm going to take weird. a wild guess and suggest that you did not pick up any chicks. I think we did pick up some chicks. Actually. No, uh, wow, Wilsonville. That is a place got, to be. We got out. My brother and I got out because the truckers had business. Um, but we. Oh, you know, I see. Sure, yeah, they had a bunch of romaine lettuce to I deliver. I was so surprised how how roomy they are, and there's like beds and compartments and yeah, TVs. You really That's live a, in them, you know? Oh, it doesn't nice. smell the best. Well, yeah, because um, no. I just want to be clear, they are sort of living in them. They yeah. do live. Yeah, it's like a small RV. <laughs> in front of all the lettuce. All right. Um, we have a podcast. To, we'll come back to all of this talk, this truck talk, in a moment. 
But first, I want to thank all of our fabulous meat buddies who uh, load up their lettuce into a monthly donut. You get it. Anyway, thanks, meat buddies. We really appreciate it. Um, we're sorry the show's not better. Okay, now let's start with segment mm. one, the news. First up, a little bit of follow-up news uh, at L. Woodius on Twitter. Um, sent along the New York Times article about the Wizard of New Zealand getting fired after we talked about it. So, mm-hmm. importantly, Read It and Weep are thought leaders in the news business. The New York Times finds out what we're talking about and then goes big with it. So, we helped that story on its way to being totally viral. So, good for us. And thanks, Elwoodius. Um, they second still up, make me pay for subscription. What assholes. <laughs> Yeah, and they keep taking parts of the subscription out and making them yeah. a separate. They just took wire cutter out and made wire cutter cost money differently. Anyway, no, I love wire cutter. That's like my favorite thing that they offer. Yeah, and it's it's even if you pay for the New York Times, you don't get wire cutter unless you pay for the super New oh York God. Times. Can they just decide how they want to monetize it right now instead of making it up later as they go? That's not yep. that's not fair. I, I hope you enjoyed cooking. Now cooking costs money. Do you like puzzles? Money costs puzzles cost separate money. Yeah, they just they just pull out anything successful and charge you separately. God damn old school newspapers making a living. Um before oh, next up, that was the news. Next thing up, um we we might do a little bonus episode about Dune coming up here, but since you guys were so excited, I want to do a quick Dune re- wrap up of two news stories that you need to hear. No spoilers, of course. Anthony, you haven't seen it, um, but mm-hmm. for everybody else. But two quick things about Dune. First, Dune opening weekend, HBO Max viewership, the most of all time, topped Justice League and In the Heights for the opening weekend on the streaming service. Yay. Um, yeah. With 1.9 million views. Warner's biggest theatrical opening of the year, too, right? Yes, yeah, since, since COVID. It was the 40 million, yeah. their biggest domestic box, uh, uh, which um, is what uh, Variety calls a successful disappointment. Which mm-hmm. is what you're all looking for in the post-COVID era. Um, I mean, Warner Brothers is famous for you know, like Batman versus Superman is like a notorious like smash bomb. You know, like mm-hmm. it technically Dude. made like seven hundred million dollars, but still lost money on everybody. You know? Oh, that's fascinating. Smash yeah. bomb is a great, smash great bomb. concept. I'm yeah. super interested in that. Um, so I think that's interesting. We, we were talking a little bit about like the streaming and whether streaming is hurting box and how that all works out together. And I'm fascinated by that. Uh, in fact, the kickoff of this news segment was about Warner Brothers. Like back a year ago when I was like, I want to start adding a news segment to our show. It was I, the first thing I want to talk about was Warner Brothers adding new releases to HBO Max. So it's oh, yeah. fascinating. Um, so I'm still interested in this. I watched it on streaming. Because, as I said last week, it's hard to argue with it being free and playing at any moment for me. Right. Um, I, as much as I think this was a movie that deserves a, a theater, especially not just visually. Everyone talks about how this movie should be in theaters visually, but you really have to be in a theater audio-wise because all of the dialogue is whispered, and then every sound effect is at eleven. So well, yeah. it's just explosions and whispers, which m- your TV sound cannot handle. Of course, but this is this is the world we live in now because now it's fashionable to have bad mixing. Bad yes. mixing is just in fat. It's in vogue. It is in vogue. Nolan this is made the it, worst so mixing like, I've ever heard. In a makes movie. the dialogue down completely, but yeah. the wombs, the wombs, those need yeah. to be pretty big. Well, you gotta have big wombs. It's like um, there's like a this fan theory that like Michael Mann, who kind of really started it before Nolan, is like slowly going deaf. 
and oh, they, yeah. he just wants to hear the bass <laughs> and vibrations, you know. That we this is one of those we so not only did I watch it on HBO Max, but as people who are over 25 might be familiar with, we uh, we also watched it with the subs on so we mm-hmm. could hear what we could understand the words being said, which did give me one really nice thing because I have not read the book and I did not know that the helicopters that where they flap their wings are called mm. ornithopters, ornithopters, yeah. yeah, which I got to see in the in the subtitles because they refer to them as thopters, which just sounds like you're lisping something yeah. is a very funny word. Well, the, it's fun to watch a movie like this with subtitles just because Dune, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've read the book and yeah, um, but like movies like this, you just know the amount of proper nouns that are going to be yes. thrown at your face. Yeah. Uh, so to be able to see them written out is always very nice. For like, yeah, that was super nice. I like that oh, a lot. Oh, there's going to be a lot of noun, proper nouns coming at me over the next two hours. The other thing, other news story I want to do without spoilers um, is from Yahoo Entertainment with the headline, Stellan Skarsgård wanted more nude scenes. Oh my God, me so, too. Yeah, I, don't don't I we all? So the 70-year-old Stellan Skarsgård, he plays the uh, mud-covered Jabba the Hutt in this movie. Mm. And, the Duke? Um, what? The Duke. The Duke, yeah. So or the, the Baron. Duke. Sorry, it's not called mm. the Duke. He's called the Baron. Baron okay, The Baron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Baron, of course. Um, so uh, according to his makeup artist, Stellan just loved being naked as the Baron. Yeah. He was always asking for more nudity. But it was a double-edged sword because less clothes, paradoxically, meant more time in the makeup chair. That's not a good use of paradoxically, Yahoo. That makes makes perfect sense. sense. You're showing more skin, you dummies. Anyway, less clothes means more time in the makeup chair. It normally took five people about four hours to apply Stellan's makeup. But when he was going to be naked, it took six to seven hours. Five Hmm. people, seven hours to make up his whole naked 70-year-old body. And he fucking loved it. And I, I think love, that's very, very funny. I love him. Okay. Yeah, I love good. him. I like, yeah. Give me any scars guard. I'll take he got even one of the naked. best scars guards. He got naked in like Thor 2. The worst Marvel movie. And he's like, I'm going to get naked in this. He shows his butt in that terrible movie. Good for yeah. Skarsgård. Good you know? for him. Look, he's Swedish. Yeah. You know, he's got. Yeah, and in this movie, he's covered in mud, which I assume Swedish people normally, like half the he, day, you're naked covered in mud. He is like. I don't know if his father was an actor, but he is like the patriarch of this incredible acting dynasty. He's a lot of William. a lot of scars guards. Yeah, all of his kids are great actors. Um, yeah, I mean, and especially I think like I got to imagine being very very attractive when you're young and like kind of growing into a seventy year old man, and then just having like the whole world want to fuck your children is very weird <laughs> and very hard for your self esteem. <laughs> so I imagine he wants to be like, no, no, this is the body that gave us those bodies. Yeah, right. so if you like those yeah. bodies, this is their origin story. Yeah. yeah. It was very fun for me with my wife because uh, she was like, do I recognize this bald, naked man covered in mud? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the professor from Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> and then uh. ha- like having to just hold that, the on- not, not knowing the rest of his career, just holding those two images. Because uh. he, he was old in that movie, and that's 30 years ago, and now he's naked and yeah. covered in mud. It's great. He's also a great, um, really intelligent uh, speaker. If you ever get a chance to like read interviews with him or anything, it's just really great. I, uh, I, believe it. I saw this really awesome interview with him a few months ago where... Um, Ever since Martin Scorsese said something about MCU, 
like every film journalist favorite question of anyone right. over 70 is what it, how is mcu killing cinema right <laughs> oh my god right. uh, and it's like very <laughs> annoying and pandering and he gave one of the best answers i've ever heard about that how it's not you know, it's not the mcu's fault it's the it's, you know capitalism you know slowly shoving all to there's only five studios and only a few theaters that like can show movies and it's just he gave this incredibly elegant answer about and, the, and the whole time it, yeah. I've, I've seen this clip and it's a really smart answer but the whole time i just kept looking at his balls yeah because they were <laughs> couldn't look away he was naked the whole time anyway that's dune we'll talk more about dune uh later on in a little bonus episode i suspect um so uh but if you haven't seen it yet you can look forward to the math professor naked all right let's yeah. jump into the homework Segment two today, the homework. This week we are talking about the Texas Chain Saw Massacre, the 1974 low-budget slasher film that is frequently written as three to four to five words, depending on where you see it. The poster, <laughs> it's four. The official title is all five words, but I prefer it in the three-word version because mm. if you see it as a three-word version, just Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it is a title of a horror movie where all three words independently absolutely terrify me any one of those words on its own oh is God. a scary easily movie. three of the worst words that yeah, you can ever say the worst three english words <laughs> and this is back in the 70s when texas was like i think had more progressive laws somehow oh yeah yeah texas was oh, definitely man. better in the 70s uh anyway this is the movie uh written and directed by toby hooper who also made Poltergeist and some of the sequels, but not all of the mm. 15 sequels to this movie, um, and starring Marilyn Burns' Screams. Yeah, and he, <laughs> you know, he directed, in quotation marks, Poltergeist, is a very important thing to remember, yeah. Oh, he was just um, mm. being animated by a ghost? No. Well, no, I mean, the, the story is... Uh, Steven Spielberg, one who's the producer on Poltergeist, wanted to direct Poltergeist, but because he was making E.T. with Universal at the time, he was contractually not allowed to direct another movie. So, oh, okay. So was Hooper, any movie, it wasn't just like, look, Steven, no, you, you're great, a, but boy, would it be confusing for people if E.T. and Poltergeist <laughs> came out with your name on it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do both have his, have his name on it. But no, I, yeah, the, the story is like Toby Hooper is an awesome director. I really love his work. Um, but yeah, the story is that he mostly was there so that Spielberg could direct Poltergeist without um, uh, getting in trouble. Uh, so it was really a so ghost yeah. director situation. Yeah. Well, he also directed a bunch of other movies that are horror movies that I not heard of. That was one of the only ones I'd actually heard of before. So um, let me give you the sequel. So as I mentioned before, Rocky Horror Month. We couldn't decide between The Rocktober and Spooky Month. So we switched back and forth. Um, this is our second spooky movie. And I would say by far the horrorist movie we've watched for the show, possibly that I've ever watched. Wow. Um, just straight up horror the whole time. I mean, we've mm -hmm. watched some slashers that are inspired yeah. by this, but somehow this is more fucked up um yeah. well let me give you let me give you the summary in case you haven't yeah, seen yeah. it um the 1974 film i'm going to give you the summary in seven bullet points five friends in a van going on a road trip to visit cemeteries and abandoned houses who could what could be better uh, along the way as reference on introduction they stop to pick up a hitchhiker who cuts himself and then one of them before getting 86 from the van definitely 
a party foul. Um, then they go to a gas station with no gas, and then an abandoned house with uh, no people. And as much fun as all of this sounds, uh, it turns out it's actually a little boring to just wander around a dilapidated house. So the two horniest people wander <laughs> off to find a swimming hole and accidentally instead find a dying hole. What a bummer. Um, they wander into a neighbor's house and are promptly domed by a dude with a hammer uh, and wearing another person's face for his face. Uh, one of the remaining kids goes off in search of the first two, and then he gets a little bit murdered himself. Then the final two search for the first three, and then one of them becomes the first and somehow the only person in Texas Chainsaw Massacre to actually get Chainsaw Massacred, while the other one narrowly huh. escapes and runs back to the gas station. But bad news bears about that gas station. Turns out the guy there is... He's actually Papa Chainsaw Massacre. It's his Ugh. son who's doing it. He's the dad. And also his other son is the hitchhiker. He's he's brother Chainsaw. So, uh, or actually, since the guy, the guy with the chainsaw is called Leatherface. So I assume Face is their last name. And yeah, uh, right, right, so this right. is Papa Face, Brother Face, Hitchhiker Face, yes, and then yes. Leatherface. The brother's course. face. The brother's face, exactly. Um, and then Grandpa they, Face. It, well, oh yeah, Grandpa Face. Coming up, Grandpa Face. Um, so they have a pleasant dinner party, but it's kind of a non-traditional family. You know, it's father, son, <laughs> son wearing a human woman's face for a mask, zombie grandfather, kidnapping victim, and human remains everywhere. Uh -huh. um, it's just a nice little uh, Norman Rockwell moment. Yeah. Um, Norman Shockwell, more like. Anyway, uh -huh. all of this is happening. By the way, side note, not in the bullet points. All of this is happening because of the economic downturn or because Saturn is in Gatorade or because of the Vietnam war. I'm not entirely clear <laughs> uh. after dinner time. It's like time to finally murder the last woman, but they, uh, they want to have zombie grandpa do it. And he's kind of weak from being until 10 minutes ago dead. And so he misses a few times and then she runs away and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. There it is. I mean, Texas Chainsaw massacre. That's good. Uh, how do you, no as the only, as the only vegetarian here. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. This is so, like, this is, yeah. you know, for a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. things, uh, this movie is, I think this movie is absolutely brilliant and incredible. I love this uh -huh. movie. But it is, I think one of the things I love about it is that it, it is just like a fun slasher film, and but it is also, I mean, it's a foundational slasher film. Yeah, that's better. Also, the word fun is being misused yeah, in that sentence. But it is, it's one of those movies that I, what I love is like, you can watch it just kind of as a slasher film and be like, oh, this is obviously the one of the most stolen from genre movies ever made. Right. But it's also like very fun to read into this movie. Like, a, you know, a lot of people have said this movie inspires a lot of vegetarians uh, to become vegetarians. Oh, it's it very, is, yeah, according it's to Wikipedia, yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. But it is oh, like wow. a, you can look briefly. at this movie as <laughs> briefly. Like, <laughs> the greatest. And also Toby Hoover briefly. Yeah, but you can look at this movie as, like, the greatest pro-vegetarian movie ever made, or, like, a movie about, like, industrial capitalism and what it does to this country, or you can look at this as, like, what patriarchy does to people. It's just, like, there's so much oh, great yeah, yeah. meat so me, inside me, this movie. Yes, um, and we're gonna, we're gonna, I hate the phrase great meat. Um, we're going to dive into meat. this, yeah. th these but, other readings and all of this information in a second. I, but I just want to give you the listener a quick counterpoint. So you've heard Anthony's um, greatest movie inspired all these people, all of this uh, really, yeah, really yeah, important yeah, yeah. fun and all of these deep readings. And, and here's then, my and now, counterpoint, which is, I don't say this lightly. I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> Possibly as much as I've ever hated anything. This was the <laughs> least enjoyable not just hour and eight, not just 85 minutes, but 
uh, yes, 12 sure. hours hey, since Alex, I watched it, it. It's still mm. part of a misery. I'm <laughs> still up. Un, I'm still unhappy from having watched this movie. <laughs> this might be. This is like. This is definitely cutting a thread in our friendship. This Whoa. is definitely like hurting my time. How dare you? With no, you. Alex, I, how dare you? You're going too far now. Now, now, it, come on. Hated this movie. It was, and it, but it felt was like you did this to me. Hmm. I mean, I not at all. This is a movie that everybody watches. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, you just got your you got your homework done with, and you didn't like it. That's fine. Yeah, but and I think it was well, reasonable think, that at some point you were going to watch this movie, Alex. Yeah. I want to give you guys a quick before. Sorry, Anthony. One more thing before oh. you get back in and respond to all of this. Um, I. A uh, friend of the podcast, Curtis Cook. I was talking to him before I watched it last night, and I told I was telling him I was nervous about it, and he said some similar things to what you had said, Anthony. He was like, he reassured me. He was like, it's a lot like Get Out. It's about feminism and disability rights, and about industrial capitalism, and um, so it's like it's like about horror movies saying something, and so I and that changed. I was like nervous. But it's like sort of this, it's like how you, it's not that you can't yell fire, it's you can't be the second person to yell fire. Like if one person yells fire, nobody leaves, but a second person yells fire, every, so Curtis telling me that it was a really important movie after Anthony had told me that, now I believe it. And so now I'm going with that excitement. And after the movie was over, I texted Curtis back, and I want to give you a quick um, summary of this text conversation. Um, I just said, I respectfully disagree with your assessment that this is anything like Get Out. It's actually more akin to a very bad time, and I hate you. And he responded, they've written whole books about the purposeful dissection feminist respectability and hubris and suburban sprawl in this movie. Mm -hmm. Plus, the meat hook scene is fucked up. And I said, I think those philosophical arguments might be reaching a bit. And he said, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen it. It sounds terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, okay, so I want to kind of address these as a few things. Fun. One Please. really fun fact. Um, did you know Toby Hooper wanted a PG rating for this movie? Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's why there's no gore. Thing. That's why there's yeah, very but, little gore because he was yeah. actually thought that's all it would take to get yeah, a PG but, rating. Um, yeah, putting the meat hook on the other side of her yeah. body so I don't see it yeah. won't make me upset. You're yeah. a crazy but, person, well, right? Right. I, but I there's also that, not a, there's not a lot of blood either. Yeah, this, yeah, this is except, a very violent movie with very little blood. Yeah, well, a, except there's a lot of obsession with blood that is clearly pre 80s and pre mm. uh, bloodborne illness uh, scares because he just cuts his finger and touches mm. people and they rub it on stuff and then the guy's yeah. like, "Ooh, blood on my knife!" And it's I mean. Just, a lot of and so grandpa weird. sucking blood was her real the blood. 70s. There's too much blood. Yeah. But I mean, so there's a few things I kind of want to address with this movie. Please, One, please. I think um I, I do think that this is the type of movie that I've I've spoken to a few people who the first time they saw it, because of kind of the reputation and the hype around it, kind of were expecting more. Or were expecting something different. Didn't know what to expect. And when they saw it, they didn't really like it. I actually met a few people like that. And most of those people, upon revisiting at some other point... No, really you fucking... You are not doing this. You are not no, tricking not, me into doing... You're not, not, you can't possibly no, say... No, no, I'm not no, saying no. that. Alex, you're not watching time. this movie again. Don't worry Alex, about it. calm down. Alex, calm down. <laughs> Calm down. Fucking crap. I'm he not almost doing walked it. away. Listener, yeah. he almost walked away. Walked it looked like he was going to get up and walk away from this podcast. This what, is... What, what is so incredible about, I, I think, about this movie is that, like, the way people talk about it, right? Like, people always sort of say it has, like, sort of documentary feel, but it really doesn't. It's filled with these incredible dolly shots. It has this really, really great uh, composition to all the sequences. The way it tells the story is really interesting. Um, but it just like it just feels so real that like especially watching I was watching the 4K version of this 
and like that 16 millimeter grainy film blown up to 4k just looks so phenomenal and it feels so real and lived in and unique and it's also completely unlike any other horror movie that this has influenced like there's so many incredible little sequences that i forgot about in this movie i mean one you know obviously like the first kill and the dolly shot under the swing, which is like one of my favorite film sequences of all time. I think like that shot is unbelievable. The way like Leatherface first appears is unbelievable. It's so fucking good. Um, but there are like these little moments that I mm. had completely forgotten about in rewatching this that really cemented this for how great and unique this is, especially because like this movie influenced so many other slashers that have like a tough guy in a mask who's like this unknowable boogeyman but yeah. leatherface really isn't that he is not jason Voorhees. he's not michael myers he's like this panicky scared very ill child like my favorite mm -hmm. moment in this movie upon re-watching it this time is right after leatherface kills the second guy who comes into his house and then like freaks out and runs to the window like why do these people keep coming into my house? I don't want to kill them. This is insane. What the fuck is happening? And he's just like panic and worried. And like you would never see Jason Voorhees have that experience, right? Well, Jason is like a real person. It's like yeah. if a real person was was doing this, basically. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. I yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, Absolutely. I will also say, since you mentioned that shot under the swing, that I have like maybe four things I liked about this movie, and one of them was that swing looks nice. Nice swing. Yeah, Just a nice, the, one of those I, old I, couple I, swings I a, out in the yard. I have a question for mm -hmm. Alex. Alex, Please. at what point, at what exact moment did the film completely lose you forever? Uh... It was with the hitchhiker. Um, wow! So like well, right away, so, okay. <laughs> because because the like the one sentence description of this when I was grabbing it uh, online was that it says um, it's like an idyllic summer an idyllic summer drive is ruined by blah 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 killing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, at least I get ten minutes of the movie being fun and idyllic, and instead it's just incomprehensible annoying people playing with knives and talking about slaughterhouses mm. for kind of a while and uh -huh. i was like this is the good part this is the pre-killing part, part. Yeah. i hate all of these people i hate every prop mm. in this movie i don't understand the situation mm -hmm. i'm very upset so it lost I mean, me early it lost you but 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 so i mean but like what so is it when the guy cuts himself like what what was what was the moment where it was just kind of him like cutting himself was probably was probably the worst part i think yeah. that's yeah that's probably good when he cuts his own palm was like okay this is not it but but also it's so so up until that point like franklin is one of the main characters in this movie mm -hmm. and franklin is possibly Awful. the most annoying person i've yeah. ever met i don't I understand how he has friends he super sucks well, alex yeah. the first word in the title is texas so, like, what did you want? <laughs> like, they are Texans, Alex. Like, yeah. what do you want from them? I, I feel like I liked the other four okay. I just yeah. did not like Franklin. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't like any of them. Yeah. I didn't like that, any of those kids. They, they were of, all kind of shitty. Again, that is like, Franklin is another one of those things I love about this movie. Because if any other writer-director, if they were going to have someone in a wheelchair be a main character, it was like, right. that character would be the heart of the movie. Yep. Right. That character would be, like, the sympathetic um you know the one you really root for but franklin just fucking sucks every He's a minute whiny yep. little brat 
Yeah, and sucks. I love that. I just love the way like these this thing feels like. I don't know. Like I said, it just feels real. It just feels like of a moment. And I, yeah, like, there, so there is. I have seen people make the argument that this is like progressive on disability rights to make a person with disabilities be an unlikable piece of shit. Um, and I am just not sure I buy that entirely. Mm. I don't think he has to be an angel, but I also think he could. He's not mm. a well round. I mean, this is part of slasher movies. The thing that I hate about slasher movies is that they don't bother to actually write characters for any of the people, either the villains or the mm. people who are getting murdered, because it's not important that we learn anything about them or care about them or follow them mm. at all, or that they grow and change throughout the story. What's important is mm. we know their relationship to each other and then the order they're about to get murdered. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's how it's supposed to work. That's the genre. I like that. Yeah. And this is, this is I think, the main... You guys both know... This is, the, I think, one of the main things that I, I think that makes this movie so upsetting to me, which is that... Anthony, would you say that this is one of the best horror movies of all time? Uh, I mean, I I think that there have been like better. Hunter, you're making movies. it easy. You're not even. You're not. You're not hedging. So you, you think it would be one of the best this is horror the most films of all time. influential and important horror it's, films of all time. It's one of the yes. most obvious answers to the question: What's yes. the greatest horror film of all time? Right. One of the most obvious answers. So, so you guys both know. I think the best thing I can I can reference is uh, our good friend Sean Jordan. Um, our friend Sean has this joke about sushi where he mm-hmm. says he doesn't like sushi, and then his friends all try to get him to try their sushi place, and they're like, oh, it's the best. And he says, if it's the best at a thing I hate, then it's the thing I hate the most. Right. And I think that's what's happening here, is mm. that this is such a perfect example of a genre that I have 0% interest in mm-hmm. and can find almost mm. no joy in. This is so perfectly that movie that there's nothing for me to hang my hat on. Well, yeah, in that yeah, case, Alex, yeah. why don't you shut up for a little bit? Hunter. I'm happy to do that, but because you said influential instead of good, I will just add further that the you're like all of like the list of people and films that are influenced by this are all movies that I did not like. Right. So you're like this is the font from which springs all yeah, of yeah. your unenjoyment mm. in the last 20 mm. years of film. Like mm. I fucking hate that. Why is yeah. it making all of these it, you've caused I just I have a perfect counterpoint to what you're Zombie, saying. But yeah. I don't like him. Well yeah, I, I, I need to get no 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 no. Okay, so okay. if Sean Jordan uh-huh. had a podcast where every week he talked about how he had perfect opinions on food. Every year I would make him eat sushi once and talk about it. Okay. And that's just fair. All right. That is fair. But I mean, we, we've just been dogging, uh, going back and forth. With Alex, but we haven't even talked about Hunter and what you thought of this movie. Yes. This yeah, where also- are you? I don't actually know how spooky you like things to be. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. If if you were hoping I wasn't going to love this movie and root for this movie, you're you're going to be sadly disappointed. This is a great movie. Uh, Love it. So many little, so many little moments of it. Uh, I've never seen it before. uh, This actually this is the first time I've ever seen it. Interesting. Uh, So uh, I have experienced so many moments from this movie uh, in all, you know, other movies and uh, especially video games. Yeah, Resident Uh, Evil 7. Dude, there's the so much of that game. It's just the end of this movie. Dude, not it's even insane. not even just Resident Evil 7, but yeah, there's a lot of Resident Evil 7. Yeah. There's so many video games that had you do um the dinner scene from mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That that dinner scene, man, I felt like I had already experienced that uh in so many different mediums. But then for some reason, it was still good. I don't know how yeah. it was like creative inflation, but in reverse, where I was like completely primed for the scene, had already experienced it in so many different little remixes, but then still uh, loved that scene a lot. Yeah. Um, 
the, the the dinner scene just to set the scene for everybody mm-hmm. I, I mentioned briefly in the in the summary is like uh papa face and his two sons and then zombie mm. grandfather who just came back from the dead sitting around the table mm. kind of in pres- presumably eating the other people who had been murdered yeah mm-hmm. the, the movie, like all the Wikipedia, constantly refers to them as cannibals, but it's mostly like inferred cannibalism. There's some yeah. talk about it. Well, I mean, there's a lot of inferred violence just in general in this movie. Like, well, yeah, there's very little actual, you know, anything in it. But yeah, it's I'm, there. I'm they're cannibals. Them, but yeah, there, so there's some cam- there's some cannibalism stuff. They uh-huh. do run a barbecue restaurant, mm, right. and I do not believe that teenagers who got lost could supply enough meat to keep a restaurant mm. open so presumably because we're so much right, smaller but, than cows yeah. presumably some of that barbecue is cows and some of it is people um well but they've been catching people all the time because they're you remember yeah. when he finds all the cars or whatever he did yeah. find, but even then how many people are you know, mm. one of those was a vw bug there's maybe 200 mm. pounds of meat in that car tops um <laughs> The cows are like, so big. This out a very strange yeah. road of anyway. The point is, the point is, the dinner party is body. them possibly How eating other people. How can you eat a human body? That's yeah, the barbecue. They're all, mm. The dinner party scene, eating while she's tied up and just being sa- just screaming. But, basically, you're yeah, yeah. focusing on like the cannibalism, but like the scary thing about the dinner scene. I mean, one, I think the the Norman, the inverted, twisted Norman Rockwell painting, right? Like, yeah, sure. yeah. That yeah. is such a purposeful vision. Like you have. Yeah. The patriarchal father, the rotting old grandfather that they have complete admiration for and want to do things the way he did it. And you have this idea of Leatherface, like especially Leatherface in that scene when he's wearing the makeup and the wig and like yeah. the kitchen apron and is like standing in as the motherly figure in this uh-huh. family. Uh, but yeah, just like the entire way that scene is done and like knowing about like the filming of this movie, right? Like that. This movie was just like it was filmed during a massive heat wave in Texas. Yeah, 110 degrees uh-huh. out. That guy had to wear that fake leather mask for 16 hours a day for yeah. every day for a month. And like they they would like be in this house and due to the film stock, they had to have these incredibly hot lights and just like a 16 hour days in this house filming the sequence. And you can just feel everyone was actually going insane. And it yeah. comes through and it's so palpable. Um, I don't think it's a good way to treat actors, but I do think yeah. that the scene is very. I think the scene is probably the most interesting scene in the movie, and probably the most interesting thing about the movie is that yeah. scene. Yeah, I, I like that. I do think yeah. that their fam, the whole family. I was so I was reading about the um, other things in the series, the other movies in the series, which is kind of hilarious because this is such an important cult hit movie. So many people are influenced by it, and it took six tries to get a sequel that was actually successful financially and uh, with people like it's they like put Halloween out so much a little bit like it's yeah. the same kind of story. Yeah. They had to keep restarting it and trying again. And so there's a, so there's Ugh. multiple different canons for this of what happened. There's a couple, there's two, at least two different sequels that tell the story mm. of how this family got to be this way. And neither of them make even the tiniest yeah. bit of fucking sense. There well, is no logical series of events that leads to this family being this way. But, but I, mean, I really like this family scene. Yeah, I, I think that it's like, I don't care about the sequels. I've never seen any of them. I don't yeah, want yeah, to see yeah, any yeah. of them. Yeah, just, and I, I actually think that's what, yeah, that's my yeah. point is like, don't try to make a prequel to this yeah. because it falls apart. But in this right. moment is so perfectly creepy and weird. Yeah, what yeah. I love about this, like this movie and the sequence and like, is the way that like it can, this movie is like as a artifact, like I said, I just think is, is almost perfect. And it is standalone by itself. And it is like, the, the fact that, you know, the thing that Coda said about how many books and different ways to read this, you know, I 
I really love the idea of this movie being like a true Greek tragedy, which I've heard the the lead singer of the Mountain Goats. This is like his favorite movie. I watched a interview with him and Walter Chaw, one of my favorite film critics, a few months ago. Mm. Uh, and he had this incredible reading of it as like reading it through the lens of like a tr- like a true Greek tragedy and the way like the characters you know move into this place, the way the guy marks the van, right. And the way these characters, the, the the violent monsters, are like just cruel elemental forces that are gonna like ruin your life. I just, it's incredible. I don't know. I can't say enough positive yeah. things about this movie. I um, do think that the readings of this as an important feminist work or important work of vegetarianism, I think, are a little bit reaching. I think that there are. I I, I have not read anything. And I read a lot of things about this last night, partially because, I don't know, I couldn't fucking sleep. Um, I read a lot about it, and I don't. none of the arguments about how this is important have even the slightest bit of evidence that this is what Toby thought he was doing. I, I, as far I as throw, I can tell, Toby well, I, was a college kid who wanted to make a fucked up movie. I want to throw something out there, though. Yeah. I feel like for a horror movie or a slasher movie to say something... Uh, the standards by which we determine it's trying to say something are, I think, getting discounted by you because you don't like the genre in general. Like mm-hmm. for for a horror movie, it does feel like there is sub- subtext in this. I totally hear you in that overall, there isn't, uh, the, it feels like people are making a lot out of a little, but I think that's just be, that's just the nature of the genre. Like, yeah. And there's almost- also a little movie here. There's not a lot of movie yeah, here. Yeah, there's, there's 80 minutes. Yeah. There's 80 and- minutes. They had like 40 grand to film this. They did it very, very fast. Um, One of my favorite facts, besides that Toby Hooper wanted this to be PG, is that the distribution company that uh, released this was a mob front. Uh, So everyone involved (laughs) in it got fucked out of royalties. Yeah, yeah. uh, And wait for that that front to go out of business in order to make money. Like, yeah, (laughs) people that did not get paid for like over 10 years because they just had to wait for that place to go out of business. That's Um, funny and also sad. Yeah, I I mean, like, I I, I, want to talk more about the like, what what does Texas Texas Chainsaw Massacre mean? Because I feel like I have a slightly different perspective from the two of you. I think that horror movies saying stuff is cool and good, but I don't think it makes it like, I don't think it just a horror movie with some sort of subtext elevates it outside of its own genre, which I think is great because I like stupid stuff. All right. Mm -hmm. And horror movies are kind of stupid. So I don't like the idea of someone watching Chainsaw Massacre and then being like, well, we've got to make this smart somehow. What stuff in it make it actually really, really smart. No, it's fine for it to be stupid. And it's also fine for it to have a little bit of subtext, but like, I, I think that I, 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 sort I of understand you your frustration, Alex, but yeah. at the same time, I disagree with it a little bit. But yes, yeah. well, no, I, I think I actually agree with what you're saying a lot. I think if you if you are like, look, this is a genre piece. It is a stupid genre. I like it being stupid. It has some subtext. I think that is true. Mm. There, it's, there are some little things happening. Yes. I think my main problem, and this is partially Curtis's fault, I was led to believe that it was related to get out, which was like trying to say something more than a little subtext. Well, yeah, I, think, I agree with that. Well, I think that it. It is, but I, I think the, how much you want to hear it is going to be depending on how much you want to engage with the, sub, the material. But I think that, like, what the point Hunter just made is, like, one of the things that has been stuck in my crawl for, like, the last five years and just drives me crazy is critics talking about elevated horror, right? right. It's been, like, this big thing about, like, oh, no, these horror films 
a smooch, and that makes them better than you know the right. kind of base simple horror films. The people like being so ashamed of the genre and its roots, they feel like they have to like odie it up and fill mm. it full with stuff. When it's like, like there can be, I think that there's just as much good meat on the bones. You know, to use. The- could you stop <laughs> with the meat? For, for, of all the shit, you could the use the metaphor in this. I think there's just as much good meat on the bones in this movie as there is in like something like Midsummer or like The Witch, which is trying to be like this really elevated kind of OT thing. And like, there's a lot of good stuff in those movies, and I, I like those films. But I think something like this that feels so real and so primal and so like, and it's also you know it's very hard, I think, because of like the creative inflation thing to be like, we have all seen this movie a hundred times since this movie's come out. Because it's one of the most ripped-off movies ever made. But it's also, I think, very hard to kind of remember that this movie came out in 74, right? So we're four years away from the Manson killings. Vietnam is going strong. Watergate had just happened. Um, And, like, this feeling of where America was, which I think has only gotten, if anything, way more bleak in the 30-plus years since then. it is hard so to imagine. I, think- I it, It's funny. It does feel more bleak, but since I wasn't around during Vietnam, mm. it's hard for me to know how bleak that felt. But mm. it does seem like the fact that we aren't putting children in planes and sending them across the world to get murdered doesn't that does seem like that would actually be bleaker vietnam seems like unfathomably bleak to be fair we were doing that until a few months ago still well but yes smaller numbers of people we were certainly bad but not at the scale there's no draft Um, i just the the bleakness of a draft is hard mm. for me to wrap my head around yeah dude Mm. but like especially like the post watergate and the failing of our institutions and this this distrust right and like that paranoia and distrust and like this idea of like manifest destiny running it's running essentially out of gas like these fucking kids and just sitting and rotting and what that does and the people stuck in that situation i think that's just there's just so I much do, good one stuff thing that does yeah in, in the in the analysis of it though the one thing that does bother me a little bit is the the suggestion that this is about like the industrialization and how it's leaving people behind because there is a suggestion that there are fewer people killing cows required now because we switched from hammers to guns Mm. and i don't know how many people you need to operate Mm. the bolt guns and how many you need to operate hammers but that is such a small small change and i just feel like with the leatherface family they might have been unemployable in any economy (laughs) i'm not sure what jobs you need to make leatherface be the perfect employee um also, you own a house and a small business with this gas station. Like you're doing, they're all doing so much better than me that the yeah, idea that right. they're like the economy left me behind. My only option yeah. is to murder. I just feel like it's a little <laughs> bit overblown as that part of that <laughs> metaphor. The other metaphors I'm more okay with than the one about industrialization. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean you're right to say that there's only one line in reference. I don't know. I feel kind of I I feel. I'm I'm bummed for two reasons, but I mean, regardless, this is not a genre that you liked, Alex. So I don't think there was yeah. a way that you were going to like this. But it does feel like you were primed incorrectly to be, go into Texas Chainsaw Massacre being like this. This is a deep movie that's going to say some things. I feel like is the wrong expectation because mm. my expectation for Chainsaw is slasher film, good midnight movie type. Yeah, uh, kind of uh, what's that G word? Uh, uh, Grindhousey kind yeah. of movie mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. what I was thinking. 
Um, and then, and then if you come up with that expectation, it's like, oh, it seems like this movie has a couple things to say, yeah. but then also like there's, you know, there's the, I, oh I man, the scene with the big, bone that furniture. Is, is like I was true. like, yeah, and, this is great. This is yeah, great. I mean, this scenes... designed the, like the whole look of this film. And I think it's important to remember that like also compared to the other grindhouse midnight horror films that were being made at the time. Dude. Yeah. It's <laughs> elevated horror. This yeah, yeah. is like <laughs> compared to what what was being made yeah. in early seventies low budget horror. This actually has so much intellectual thought put into it compared right. to what that's else true. was being made. Right, that, I think a, that, that actually does make sense. That's yeah. also important to keep in mind. Um, yeah, so I, that's interesting. Where I do feel like I'm largely the victim of Curtis Cook, and I, so I guess I my would, friendship yeah, with you, Anthony, is that. more intact than it is with Curtis. Mm. I think we're in trouble. The fact yeah. that he didn't tell me he hadn't seen it is really upsetting. Yeah, yeah. So he mm. was just screwing with. But you, yeah, basically. prime, yeah. prime, prime wrong is definitely part of it. I do because I do like I've liked things in the horror genre, not really in the slasher, grindhouse, exploitation, that kind of horror. I've not really enjoyed. But there are things that mm. people like. I've enjoyed parts of Spooky Month. Some years I've had a good time. I can be okay mm. feeling that way for a little while. Um, but uh, this is just such the wrong direction for me. Um, I, I'm curious, Hunter, because you are from the woods, and mm-hmm. um, we were talking. You mentioned earlier that I don't like these people because they're super Texas. But then you didn't like them because they're super Texas either. So I guess <laughs> am I more upset by the Texas or the chainsaws or the massacring? Because I feel like any one of those I might be able to tolerate on its own. Probably the most upsetting is the chainsaw part for me. I mm-hmm. like even when you're using it for good, there's such a high likelihood you'll actually cut your leg off. Um, actually, and even like near the, the end, Leatherface. What? I actually felt like the chainsaw was not the biggest player in the like. No. You didn't get a whole lot. You, there's well, less but chainsaw. In the end, when he's say. in the road, Leatherface mm. has a legitimate chainsaw accident where yeah. he like accidentally cuts his leg because yeah, they're yeah. so dangerous. Do you know right. how they filmed that, by the way? Uh, well, uh, from what I've read, probably by putting a real chainsaw really close to his actual veins. Yeah. Well, no, they uh, they put a metal plate on his leg and then put a mm. bunch of like gra- like meat over that and yeah, then he did it. But the the problem is because you know uh, they used to do things very fast on this movie and didn't think about it all the way through. And they were like, it's that great like missing the forest from the trees, being like, yeah, this metal plate is gonna keep you safe from the chainsaw teeth. What it doesn't keep you safe from is friction and heat and really bad burns on your legs uh, from running the chainsaw across it. Well, oh, I, okay. so overall, I don't want to talk about this too much, but my uh, be, be, it's just too sad and it's not fun for our show. But especially mm-hmm. given the news this week, I am just not in the mood to read about mm-hmm. people having a lot no. of unsafe work conditions. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And this movie mm-hmm. was fucking packed with yep. unsafe I work mean, conditions. And it's I, very I think upsetting. that there's a difference between like a super low budget gorilla filmic, especially like I think like that has been like kind of um like glorified in a lot of ways. And I do think that there is like, you can be unsafe and dangerous and really reckless, but like at the end of the day, like they made something like really, really important. And no one died. Right. Like I, I think that it's, it's a difference and like people, but it might be basically like, moral luck that no one died. Cause yeah, they did a lot of stuff that yeah. probably could have killed people. Anyway, yeah. I don't want to talk about it too much. Let's, let's yeah, go back yeah. to the Texas point though. So, yes. so the chainsaw thing is one thing that I don't like. I don't like chainsaws. 
put that aside. Also, this movie is to blame for every fucking hayride, haunted hayride, having a guy with a chainsaw in it now. Yeah. And I do not care for that. But mm-hmm. Uh, and the massacre part is also a problem for uh-huh. me. I think that's gross. Yeah. That's the genre part. But I want to talk about this Texas part a little bit more because this <laughs> is like important. This is like uh, it's so important that this is like in the middle of nowhere. There's also a bit of like judging people with blue collar jobs because like like I like I just feel like there's something else about Texas here that is like sitting weird with me and I'm not sure how to feel about oh, it. Oh, you don't think that people in Texas just hang out drunk at a graveyard on their days off? You don't think that's like a normal, normal <laughs> yeah, day in weird. Texas? Well, the other thing, one thing is, so we, we're talking about how Franklin sucks and mm. ostensibly Franklin lived in the house that is 15 feet away from mm-hmm. Leatherface's house mm-hmm. and also 15 feet away from Leatherface's dad's uh, gas station and it's so I'm also it's so it's weird that Franklin did not like recognize his neighbors when he first got mm. there. I know it's been a while, while mm. since he moved out, but he was he was like, oh, yeah, there's a, he remembers the exact directions for how to get to the swimming hole, mm. but forgot when he drove up to that gas station that that gas station mm. is 10 feet from the house he grew up in. It's a little weird. But the more important thing I actually wanted to say is that one thing about Franklin that sucked, he does the same raspberries as the crazy guy in, that they pick up the uh, he does the same like at people. Um, oh yeah. He also yeah. is obsessed with slaughterhouses and knives, just mm-hmm. like the guy they pick up. He seems like he has a lot in common with his childhood neighbors, the Leatherface family. Right. Um, so what's with that? Why is that? What's going on there? Well, what's the difference? I guess he got away from yeah. the the weird the weird woods where he was living, I guess. Mm-hmm. So um, do like am I right to just fear people from the woods? Because that's I, that's how I feel I mean, coming away from this is like, I'm man, I'm, sure I'm scared. scared of people from I'm the woods. I'm pretty scary. Uh, no, but he yeah. got out. He turned into just, just out, annoying. Yeah, yeah you can like you nice. can get pretty we- weird out there in the woods. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just say that. <laughs> I mean, I remember I remember when I was really little that there were a lot of weird people that were just around in my life that I would talk to and see and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, one of my favorite jokes that, that you've that ever weird, told but... was that like uh, your joke you used to do on stage was like the the scariest thing you could ever meet in the woods is a guy. Yeah, that's and not that good. Is so funny, and mm. I, that's what I think of with this is just like if you're in a place like this, any person mm. living is just terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, that joke came from. I remember there's this day where there was somebody outside our house, and that was like <laughs> a huge problem. That was like an <laughs> unacceptable issue where mm. my mom and my dad are just like what is and my mom was like oh it might be a hunter i think it's someone hunting out there and my dad was like nope no way because he knows hunters he named me hunter because he likes to hunt right. uh, <laughs> and it was just this huge mm. issue like and it completely didn't work by the way. it didn't take you don't hunt a lot no not at all yeah. you can't just name somebody the thing you want them to do and then yeah. expect them to do it i think it just screws the whole thing up yeah um, i named my kid billionaire and that's not what yeah, it's not gonna you know? happen mm. it's not gonna happen uh, but yeah, they had to like, eventually they went out and talked to him and it was just some guy out there. I don't remember. And then he oh, just man. left and it was fine. But yeah, yeah it's so a huge scary. issue. You can't just have a guy out there. Um, okay. I want to do two quick things in the argument section. So let's, let's get our final thoughts, lightning bonus round, anything yeah. else you want to get out about Texas Chainsaw Massacre before we move on. Um, I would say if, if you're listening to this and, uh, and you like horror movies at all, that, uh, if you haven't seen it, you should just see it. This is I'm surprised. I I'm a little disappointed in myself that it took me this long to see it because 
I am. I was kind of blown away by how much uh, I loved this movie. This is a this yeah. is a great horror movie. Like, yeah, I think I, you guys said last week when we were talking about it, you mentioned this is like one of the few like true independent films I've ever watched for this show. Um, and it really is a low budget, completely independent film. And I mm-hmm. do I, th- actually. I'm not surprised that you loved it, Hunter. I thought you didn't like Spooky as much as maybe you do. So I was like hoping. No, you'd be I like Spooky a, a lot. I do like okay, it a lot. That's spooky. a problem. But I did know the whole time I was watching it. I was like, I can tell from the style of filmmaking, this is all the way up Hunter's alley. Uh-huh. This is mm. the kind of that lo- like the, just the low budget but really interesting directorial and artistic choices. I yeah. saw that that was something you'd like. Yeah, yeah. I dig that yeah, shit, I, yeah. I um I think that this movie is is phenomenal. I think it's a a perfect film. I I um I love the the look of it, the the craftsmanship that went into it. Uh, I really love that there's so much so many ways to kind of view it and take it and also it's just like a phenomenal foundational text that I think you really can't uh, you can't really appreciate slashers as a genre, I think, without kind of having this as a frame of reference. And there's so many things that we've already sort of talked about, like Franklin being a dick, like things that this movie does that it's kind of amazing that the slasher film genre doesn't do any of them. Like one of my favorite things about this movie is that the death sequences are not like there's not a lot of movie here. It's only 84 minutes, but there's not a lot of like downtime between the death sequences you know it's not like most slashers where it's like one death per scene and every other scene this is like a movie where it's like not a lot of violence happens for the first like 25 minutes and then when it does it's just like bang 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 half the cast is dead over half the cast is dead um, and they're and, and they're I, not he doesn't fuck around either he's just like oh you walk into the house hammer blow the end yeah mm-hmm. um i mean there are so many shots in this movie that i mean besides the whole dinner stuff uh, i already talked about the dolly shot under the swing which i just love but that whole sequence really comfortable with, like, looking swing the way he shuts the metal door everything about that sequence is so incredibly laid out and designed um i just love all the artwork and detail that went into this insane house like all the different rooms and very weird specific things i love that when she's like tied down to the chair the arms of the chair or actual severed arms yeah Yeah, um just like these like little details and then i think we're going to get into it in the argument but the finale of this movie the final two minutes uh i think two of the the best ending of any horror movie maybe one of the best endings ever and then, like, the, the final two shots of, like, the shot from the end of the flat, the truck bed, looking at her laughing and screaming, and then Leatherface dancing as the sun rises behind him yeah. is, it's just one of the greatest ending shots of all we time. Are gonna come I think back about that. that all the time. I love, love that final sequence so much okay, we're gonna get in that i have two uh, uh, i, I want to say really quick lightning bonus round for me one is about those chairs made out of arms so this movie is lightly inspired by ed gein ed gein um which we talked about in psycho i found out mm-hmm. psycho is loosely based on him and it turns out sans the lambs also loosely based on him uh-huh. which cool. is actually kind of um heartening to me to learn that like all of these movies about different serial killers makes it seem like there's a lot of serial killers out there, but it turns out there's really just the one that all movies mm-hmm. are based on. So mm-hmm. maybe people are better than I realized, except for well, this one very cinematic serial killer. Apparently, a lot yeah. of them are just weird. Like, you know, 
Like, no, we don't have to go into Ted, Ted Bundy wasn't very neat. Jeffrey Dahmer is not going to be a good movie of a guy just drilling holes in head and pouring we'll chemicals it. in there. It. The other thing um, I want to do. The other thing I want to say really quick is that um, you say that like you mentioned, there's like not a lot of space around the murders. The one is that the the woman who escapes, um, she gets chased for kind of a while. And mm-hmm. it's very funny because she's screaming the entire time, which uh, is understandable, but not good for your stealthiness. Um, it's like it's very easy for him to follow where she is because she's yeah. just continually screaming the whole well, time. Well, a chainsaw is very loud, so it's hard oh, to hear the true. screams over the chainsaws. Yeah, that's true. And he's wearing a, a leather mask around his ears. So maybe so that helps. But, that, you know, but it's funny. There was still. It's still like implausible to me how long she got away from him in the chase mm-hmm. and you can actually see it in the movie several times where leatherface has to like kind of like lift the chainsaw up and swing in the air to miss her because yeah. she's so close to him in real life and that reminds me because I, I was saying like this is the thing that is every haunted hayride is leather is a guy, big guy with a fake chainsaw going vroom 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 and scaring you but every time you're in a haunted house and a haunted hayride, they have to comically miss you, cartoonishly yeah. go right. around you, and that right. is also inspired by this yeah. movie. I and mean, that was it's usually nice. it's usually a real chainsaw with just a gimmick chain on. Yes, exactly. It, right? which, so it's not yes. like a fake chainsaw, but a, a, a um, real saw, fake chain, or a real chain, yeah. fake saw. Anyway, saw, yeah, whatever. Um, okay, but um, yeah, um, I, 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 that's it. We're gonna wrap. We have to wrap. Um, we have to do one more thing, and we're already out of time. So um, uh, let's move on to our final segment: the argument. Okay, last thing I want to do, and this is Anthony's suggestion for the argument today, which is a quick discussion, not really an argument. We're friends. Um, I'm not friends well, with Well, apparently Paris. you and me are not friends. Do you I, you know, I've realized that that was <laughs> misdirected. My, my anger is actually yeah. directed at Curtis more than you. Um, yeah. But uh, the, uh, the the question is for today is the uh, your favorite final shots of movies. And uh, Anthony was already talking about how great this final shot is because the last victim gets away and apparently Leatherface is very frustrated by that, but the only way he can express his frustration is through ecstatic dance as the sun sets. He's just dancing him and his chainsaw cheek to cheek, just having a, just having, uh, just getting his emotion out mm. through dance. As the sun rises. As the sun, sorry, sun rises. Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, I'm more of a night guy than a morning guy. I, yeah. I, when the sun is close to the mountains, it's obviously setting. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So uh, him dancing in the sunrise is a very interesting choice. And we were talking earlier about how much more interesting he is actually, or how interesting he is um, that he's not like just an unknowable, perfect murderer at this point. It, he becomes that in later sequels, but at this point he's like a frightened child in some ways. So this dance is really interesting and in telling about that, but I would like to not talk about murder because I, I'm sick of it, and I feels gross. So let's talk about. It doesn't have to be non-murder, but ideally less murdery. But final shots of movies, lingering shots, Ooh. the aftertaste of a movie, mm. the thing that sticks uh, with you. Yeah, what are some yeah, favorites yeah. you've got? I got one. Nominees I got one. Uh, yeah. So this this is uh, this is kind of a random one, but I rewatched this movie uh, earlier this year, or late last year. I don't know. Who cares? Time is meaningless. But uh, uh, a serious man, the Coen Brothers movie. That mm. that movie, uh, it's just a, it's a great movie. It's a great Coen Brothers drama, um, but it ends with just like a tornado shows up, yeah. and they're just like, "Hey, there's a tornado," 
And then the guy looks out and sees the tornado and it's just over. And it's awesome. It just, but literally there's, I mean, besides, I think that's the one where they said it's like their take on uh, the story of Job. I don't necessarily get Mm -hmm. that. And I actually grew up with the Bible, so I should be able to get it, but I did not get it um, in that way. But yeah, tornado showing up just seems like such a badass way to end a movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really look at that movie so much as, like, the story of Job as much as I look at it as, like, uh, how do you determine your reality? Like, how much of it is faith versus how much of it is just coincidence and the way you mm-hmm. kind of project one thing or after another. Um, I think, you know, recently we've done some films that have some incredible final shots. Like, I don't know if I have necessarily a favorite, but, like, you know, Psycho, obviously has an incredible final shot that close mm-hmm. up of Norman Bates face. I thought recently yeah. we yeah, did an, another round, which has the final shot of him oh, flying yeah. in the diving air in, over the water. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, the bay. But, but the way that final shot works, um, is pretty amazing. I, I think of stuff like plant the original planet of the apes with the statue of Liberty that's an incredible final shot. Yeah, Planet um, of the Apes it has to be up in that list. That that Statue of Liberty thing is so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, and the that's Breakfast a bit of a, like Club. A, uh, well, you know, on the, the on the there. on the Planet of the Apes, that's got like a surprise element to it, which not all of these have. Um, and that also kind of reminds me of like the Shining ending mm-hmm. with yeah. the which since we're talking about is another spooky movie that I have enjoyed, but that final yeah. shot of the old photo where he was in where he's like always lived in this hotel or whatever like that's a fun surprise awesome shot at the end yeah. hunter yeah. you gonna say something um another so i uh, sorry i'm just like this is a great question i'm thinking about so many awesome final shots um i watched this movie kind of recently this uh french movie called uh beau travail uh that's about um uh this lieutenant in the french foreign legion uh and a lot of things happen with him uh it's this guy who uh forget the name of the actor but he's so He's so good at everything, this guy. He's also in uh, Holy Motors. He plays like the the kind of goblin looking guy. Actually, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Holy Motors, but I've just uh, seen this I guy around a lot. About that, yeah. So Beau Travail is this very like very uh, deep drama about this guy. And it just ends with him in a dance club by himself dancing his ass off. Like he's <laughs> such a good dancer. And it's to that song... Um, it's the rhythm of the night. Oh, <laughs> it's so good, man. Well, it's like the best. It? What? What's the next part of that song? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, I, just, I don't I'm trying to get you to sing more. <laughs> okay. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. That's all you got. Um, but you know the song. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he's such a good dancer. It just blows you away at the end of this uh, like movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah. Um, we another one since we're talking Brazil. about. Recently oh, yeah. Too. That has a yeah, great final shot with him in the chair. Yeah, that's kind of similar to the psycho ending. Um I and since you mentioned the uh uh the dive into the water, uh Thelma and Louise also. Oh yeah. A classic flight light based final shot. That's Butch pretty cool. Cassidy and the Sundance kid with them running down the gun shoot gun yeah. shoot uh shootout. Um the ending of the Godfather with the the door closing. Oh yeah. I mean yeah, talk about classic. like a shot that is like so st- stolen from that's probably one of the most spoof shops like how many sitcoms have a joke where like a wife looks at a husband as a door closes in front of her right like it's it's mm-hmm. one of the most spoofed shots ever oh man um, i did not notice that that's interesting 
Uh, that's I, a really good one. Another one that I think of uh, right away is, uh, and this is a little childish, but we've talked about it on the on the movie, which is Fight Club. We've talked about it on the podcast. Fight Club, yeah, Fight Club's got a great final shot, and uh-huh. and it's such a funny line. You met me at an interesting time in my life, and just like watching stuff fall, and the and that Pixies drop, which uh, yeah, I mean it's it's it is pretty un, uh pretty undeniable how great that shot is. I want to bring up uh, the end because. Uh, I want to bring up the last shot of Stalker, but I don't want to spoil it. Oh, okay, so, don't. Yeah. Uh, well, but but a lot of people are never going to watch Stalker. Because I might, because it's, it's one of your favorite movies of all time, and I was trying to watch th- your favorite it's movies. It's a three-hour Russian sci-fi. I won't ruin it then, actually. It's such a good moment. It should not be spoiled. It's, But it is a ridiculous final moment in that movie. Well, but, I mean, but kind of related to Brazil and to Psycho, and something that you talked me into watching, which is the ending of Old Boy... Which mm. is another ending shot of just like a person kind of laughing, but maybe crying. Yeah. And that yeah, doesn't yeah. spoil it. You just don't. He's just dealing with what's happened in this movie. It's a really haunting final yeah. image. Uh, there yeah, will yeah. be blood has a great final right, shot. Right, I mean, right. they usually like, talk about. Is he like sitting on the bowling alley, right? Yeah, I'm finished. Yeah. Um, 2001. I mean, most Kubrick movies have incredible final Amazing shots. Amazing final shots, uh, yeah. Doctor Strange Love with the My Fear I Can Walk is really, really great. Um Oh yeah. It's uh, right. I've seen that movie a couple times and I do not remember that thing. So that shot hasn't stuck in my head the same way. I I always when I think of the ending of Doctor Strange Love, I always think of that song, the We'll Meet Again thing with the montage of all the nuclear explosions. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think of that. That's always for what sure. I think of at the end of that. Two thousand one has an incredible final shot. Yeah, what's the end of two thousand one? You mentioned that. What's the end of that? The Star Baby. It's it's they, he goes through the whole thing uh, and then comes out as a baby. The big star baby over I the planet. That. Mm. I don't, that movie's not stuck with me. I got one. I got one. Yeah, and this will not spoil it at all. Um, so this is a Wong Kar Wai movie um, called Happy Together. Um, one of uh, one of his best. Um, but, you know, I can never I can never choose just one. But uh, Happy Together, which, of course, is a song by the Turtles. Um and Wong Kar Wai loves to put a lot of, uh, especially English pop music, um, especially pop music from the 60s, uh, in his films. So you sit down to watch Happy Together, and you're like, oh, I'm going to hear that Turtle song, Happy Together, a lot. And the movie's like, no, you're not going to hear it. Uh, and it's going to be like a two-and-a-half-hour drama, and you're never going to hear it, bro. You're not going to hear it. And then right at the last moment of the movie, he finally drops it for like, 10 seconds and then the movie is over it's so good I mean, it makes you wait the whole time for it i love it oh, speaking of fun. like 60s pop songs i mean yeah. the graduate obviously has one of like the most iconic final yeah, shots yeah. with them, we all know that them on the bus beginning to realize what they just did yeah frowning um, suddenly <laughs> yeah it's that's is a there great a thing one. in a final shot that uh is there a final shot that's ruined a movie could you Ooh. ruin a movie with one bad final shot yeah i mean i definitely i feel like there is films like that i mean I, I think that stuff like um like the inception talk i don't think ruins inception i think it, it really it does poison the well huh? in yeah. terms of like the conversation about it because there's more interesting things to talk about in that movie than like did the top fall over like it's just creating conversation where there doesn't need to be um, yeah, yeah that was on a list of best final shots and i was like eh, is it I don't, I'm not sure I feel that way. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. It, Anthony's right, though. It gets you talking about 
such a specific thing when you could just talk about the crazy movie you just watched. You know what I mean? Right, but right, it just right. ends yeah, it yeah. on it's like, such it's a specific just about conversation. This... It felt like it was trying. It was trying huh. so hard to be that a moment that it like took some of the fun away from it. Yeah. Well, what was that? Was it called "Remember Me"? You ever see that Robin Pattinson no. uh, drama dramedy that came out and like I forget when it did, but you. Okay, so it's this very bad Robert Pattinson movie. It's like at the height of the Twilight uh, thing. It's about this guy and this relationship um, in New York City. And it like takes place in the early 2000s. Anyway, the final shot of the movie. Out of nowhere. Robert Pattinson gets his life together. He goes to work. You never see where he works in the movie. He goes to work. It's at a little building called the World Trade Center. The calendar is oh, wow. on the yeah, wall. No. It's September 11th, 2001, no. and then no. the movie ends. That sucks. Uh, that is the, like that seems like a parody. That seems yes. like a comedy like movie a ending yeah, of like, like a, of a serious movie. It is a true. God, that's awful. True, the actual that ending sucks. of that. It's um, it's very very bad. I think movies like um. Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds, which is a pretty good movie, but the ending is so saccharine and silly, especially with him hugging his kid, that I think it kind of ruins the movie. Oh, um, oh, oh, what was the, there was a an alternate ending to Titanic you told me about that would have been the worst oh, ending of all time. Yes, the big smile, everyone laughing about her throwing the uh, diamond in rather than right. no one seeing it. Yeah. I mean, Titanic does have, I mean, talk about one of the greatest final shots. I think the best thing about Titanic is the final shot of her, like, going back to the Titanic and everyone's there waiting for her and Leo's in the suit. It's an incredible moment. Uh, but yeah, the, the ultimate cut but yeah, sure. of her throwing the um, the diamond in the thing is really, really bad. Have we um, um have we ever done an episode about Titanic? Because I would love to talk about oh we have, okay. In fact we Wait, have, have we? we might have done two, in fact, at this point. This oh show's my been God. on too so long. A third, a third yeah. would be a lot. I just want to say I feel like Titanic is going through a reevaluation lately, um, where people are liking it. The class yeah. stuff in that movie just grinds my fucking guts man. Oh, I, like, if you okay 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 if you're on it. this side of the reevaluation yeah. we'll definitely do another one because i yeah, was I alone mean, last time and still oh, really? see it. i would be with you i would be like yeah. i don't like titanic i think that that shit is all so fucking annoying like i, I love Titanic. Handle. i think it's i think it's an incredible movie because all get, james cameron movies are incredible movies i, I, I get that as a spectacle it is uh, amazing and the filmmaking is amazing i just think like the all of the subtext of that movie is so it's so offensive to me. It truly offends me that movie um, in a way that is ju- it just annoys the hell out of me. But yes, the the filmmaking is amazing. It's an amazing it's amazing that they even made that movie. It's 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 very cool. But so we did make uh, yeah. it. This was before both of your time. So we made this without you. It was um, some part of the classic panel. Um, and this was also a fun episode. If you go back just for the read and weep archives, back to one thirty seven when we reviewed the Titanic three D. Uh, wow. as we reviewed um, technically yeah. in uh, yeah the re-release, but um, we also included in that episode an interview with author Catherine Howe, 
um, who had written a book called House of Elven Glass, which has to do with has some Titanic elements and themes in it. And we interviewed her. We we knew her because we had um, made fun of one of her books earlier, and she was a real champ about it on Twitter. And it turns out we really liked her, and her we liked her other books, and so we had her on. It was really interesting. Anyway, yeah, we did talk about it. it that could be up for a reevaluation. Reevaluation. Um, because this was 2012 when we did this episode, so it's been a minute. We've done um, a lot of things going back to really good final shots in the last year between Halloween, The Thing, Brazil. Um, oh, I this, did like The I Thing. Mean, that was my last year's spooky movie, and then we talked about yeah. it like, later. I really liked that movie, yeah. and uh, I mean, that, that final shot is so is, great. It's incredible, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish at the end he'd been like dancing and remet all his friends from earlier as he died. That would have been cheesy and fun. I wish Wait, Leonardo DiCaprio was waiting for him. I was just the, just the ending of Titanic, where I, which I think is corny and Anthony really likes, which is like, oh, it's all my friends from earlier. <laughs> I'm young and hot again and in, in death. I, I want that for uh, for Kurt Russell. <laughs> all right. I mean, Kurt Russell was young and hot then, though. When it's, yeah. it's yeah. going to be younger young. and hotter. Now he has to do it. And high. Now yeah. I want a movie with yeah. him where he gets to be young and hot yeah. again. Okay. Um, what is the final image for us today? Oh, man. <laughs> what? I mean, it's How a podcast, do... so there can be no images, no. Mm. Well, no, it's, no, no. A, it's a mind image. It's we can theater of the mind, image, yes. you know? Yeah. What do we want people to... Yeah. What do we yeah. want yeah. people to take away? What are we leaving them with from this episode? Um, mm. I hope it's Anthony and Hunter dancing with chainsaws and then me in the truck driving away. No, I think yeah. it should be the other way around. I think we should be driving away and you're dancing with chainsaws. I think you secretly love this movie. You just don't or, want to admit yeah. it to yourself. Maybe I'm the brother who got run over by a truck and it's... Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. No, that's that's also a character. I didn't even think of the the person driving that truck who was like, "Wow, I just hit someone with a truck. I guess I'm a hero now." Like, what yeah. a weird mm. turn of events that was for cattle truck dr- driver. Yeah, that was nuts. That it's nuts that there's a character in this movie that's just like a truck driver being like, "Whoa, holy shit!" And then <laughs> and then runs away. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's not <laughs> yeah. leaves like, the truck. <laughs> yeah, uh, what even that's happened to that guy because she doesn't run away in. She doesn't get away yeah. in his truck. She gets away in the in the other the truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, even though even though there's a time where they're in the cab of the truck and we find out that the chainsaw cannot penetrate the hard outer shell of the semi truck, and oh, instead man, of driving away, they climb yeah. out and run the other side. Yeah. yeah, that part that part did actually get me hey. being like, "What? Go, just go!" I, yeah. like, look, <laughs> being in a high stressful situation, it's very early in the morning. You're yes. not thinking clearly. Uh, yeah. I get it. You know. I am forgiving of certain kinds yeah. of things in a horror sure. movie of like making bad decisions. The mm. one thing though, and the, the one thing I cannot get behind is the part before the stresses start happening. And it's the first horny guy who goes to a house, knocks on the door, no one answers and he keeps knocking. Yeah. I'm never going to mm. knock twice. If you don't answer and I see no movement, I'm leaving. There's yeah, right. I have no I mean, interest in going into your house and finding out if you're a murderer. I, right. I think it's very hack to say at this point, but the last two years have proven to me I can never criticize people being stupid in horror movies <laughs> because yeah, really people are that stupid. I have seen yeah. so many acts of people doing stuff that they should obviously know better, but they don't. And well, look, we have yeah. no proof that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is happening. It might have been a government chainsaw massacre. It could be You're a right. false flag massacre. It been a Bill true. Gates yeah. chainsaw massacre. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Bill Gates yeah. is behind this chainsaw he's, massacre. He's, he's just trying to implant chainsaws. chainsaws in everybody mm. yeah. to track you. <laughs> All right, that's our final. The image of this episode is talking about Bill Gates again. 
Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again in two weeks. A little programming note we're going to take next week off. We might do a little bonus or two. We got a little Ezra credit coming out, but we're not going to, no new homework this week. We'll be back in two mm. weeks as we kick off November in some fashion. I can't tell you how because we don't know yet. So that's one of the reasons we're taking next week off. We got some meetings. We got some stuff to discuss. But if you have thoughts on your favorite final moments of movies or your least favorite final moments of movies or something we missed talking about, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or if you want to be like Curtis and try to trick me into watching something on false pretenses, send us an email podcast at read-weep.com. We really appreciate the email we get. Even though I'm woefully behind on responding to a couple of them, I do really appreciate getting them. Um, And thank you, of course, to all of our fabulous meat buddies who... Might find a new name for him actually after today. Uh, but our meat buddies who donate to the show, they give of themselves and become barbecue, and we really appreciate that. Pete, you can go to Metreon.com to join our Patreon. Thanks for being here, Hunter. Yeah. Always great chatting with you. And that's the end of that one. That's a really good chainsaw. Yeah, I'm good that's at solid. it. Solid. And yeah, uh, Anthony Lopez. I should be Anthony a Lopez. Artist, it's always great chatting with you. We're still friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Alex, I'm glad we're still friends. I'm sorry you didn't like this movie, but I think upon your mandatory rewatch in a few years, you're going to come around <laughs> and like it a lot more. Oh my I, god, I was ooh. so upset when you started to suggest the only solution was to go deeper into the crevasse. Would you have liked it if it had been dumber, you think? Final question. Dumber? If it, ha- if it hadn't had any subtext and was just like, this is a dumb movie about just people getting chainsawed and that's all that's happening. It's just like a B movie. Would you have liked no, it? No, I don't like people getting chainsawed. I, okay. On accident or on purpose, I find chainsaw violence to be unpleasant. Um, I'm not a big fan of wow, murder. Wow, what bold statement, Alex. Know, you find chainsaw weird. violence unpleasant. I'm coming out <laughs> hard, though. This is going to be the thing that gets me noticed on the internet. Yeah. I'm against chainsaw violence. I know it's mm. cool to be okay with it, but not yeah. me. Old Falcone, <laughs> hey. he stood up against the tyranny of chainsaw Chainsaws violence. don't kill people. Industrial capitalism <laughs> kills people. Man, uh, I, that's another thing that's happened since the 70s, is now we have those chainsaws where if it touches flesh, it explodes and doesn't hurt you. Wait, that's is pretty that a I think it is. We do it with it. It works with table saws. Maybe I'm wrong about chainsaws, but there's a thing in table saws now where if it touches your finger, there's a small explosive in the saw that destroys the blade instantly, so it can't cut you anymore. It'll still get you a little bit, but it'll like nick you instead of um, doing severe damage. How does it know? It's got a small current running through it, so that when it touches your, uh, uh, if it touches flesh, it like completes the circuit and causes oh, it to trigger this okay. small that explosion. Makes sense. It's so clever. It's so clever. Anyway, that's a fun fact to leave you on. We'll talk to everybody soon. Goodbye.